With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live here on the Mad Scientist Sports Lab. I am the Mad Scientist of Sports, Nick Ficarelli, coming to you live from Fantasy Sports Warehouse Radio here in the friendly confines of the laboratory. With me tonight, right now, ladies and gentlemen, because the beacons have already been lit, the experiments are on the blackboard, and the test subjects are already here because with me to start the show, ladies and gentlemen, are two of the best and brightest that you will ever re- listen to and will ever read. First up, he is from Mile High Sports, 94.1 FM out in, in Denver, Colorado. He also, also happens to be, I affectionately like to still call him this, the NFL Draft Monster. He is none other than the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Benjamin Albright. How's it going, Nick? Doing very well, sir. And the second gentleman with me, he is from Pro Players Insider. He also happens to write his own really damn good sports blog called BlackRedSoxFan.com. And I've known this cat now for a few years now. Great to finally have him back on the show. He's probably getting ready to party hardy tonight into the wee hours of Monday morning, or he'll be drowning in the sorrow in his beer. Ladies and gentlemen, the Black Red Sox fan himself, Mr. Antoine Staley. What's up, Antoine? Hey, how y'all guys doing? It's been a long time since I talked to either one of y'all, actually, so it's good to be on. <laughs> well, let's go. we're going to go get right into it right off the bat. And the first thing I wanted to talk about really quickly, I only want to make two minutes out of this, is Deflategate. Uh, obviously, the NFL still investigating after two weeks, and... I am now of the opinion that nothing is going to happen. They said they had a person of interest. The person of interest has now disappeared off the face of the planet. Uh, Bill Belichick, we all saw his press conference where he tried to do a physics uh, a physics exam with, uh, with the media. Ben, I wanted to start with you. Is Deflategate now totally overblown? Has the NFL blown this totally out of proportion, or do you think something's going to happen but – it's not going to happen until after the Super Bowl, obviously. Well, I had the plan was not to let anything happen until after the Super Bowl anyway. You don't want to be a distraction to either team playing and then put that out there as being the reason they lost over, you know, if it was if it was a mountain out of a molehill. Ultimately, that's what I think it is. I mean, you can make a case that deflated footballs have helped uh, reduce the number of fumbles that New England has had. They've been an exceptionally low-fumbling team for years. Um, so you can make a case for that. Um, 
you know, other than that, though, the media's mostly moved on now. There are juicier stories. You've got, uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch not answering questions, which for some reason is of the utmost importance uh, out there. So I think the media's <laughs> moved on. They're the ones who created the, the damn thing to begin with. But, uh, you know, I, I think the whole thing's ridiculous and just let it go. Antoine, what are your thoughts on this? I have similar thoughts as Ben. Yeah, I just thought I just thought it was just overblown. You know, people trying to make a story out of out of nothing. Honestly, I mean, yes, it, it does help. Like a fall of football with grip and everything like that. But let's just be honest. The Colts got 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 their rear ends like handed to them in the AFC Championship. You know, I don't think anything you know would have changed that. Like no matter what the size of the football it was. So I just think it's it's not a big deal at all. Honestly, and. You know what? It's what it may come from. I mean, I don't think we, not much is going to come from it anyway. So I just think that you know it's really overblown, and you know we should we should all just move on to be perfectly honest. Because at the end of the day, the refs didn't log in the PSI anyway, so it's not necessarily you know on record. You know, we don't know what it was when they you know they checked the football. So I, I don't think much is going to come from any for all this anyway. Well, I'm under the opinion that something will happen. I think the Patriots are going to lose a draft pick and maybe be fined, but that's about it. And it's not even going to be that big because they still haven't been able to prove if anybody actually did anything. But Goodell is probably going to look to try to save face somehow because, again, the another underlying story in this whole thing is this is cozy relationship with Bob Kraft. Even though Bob Kraft is like, we, we, we intend to get an apology for those that saw it, but the state of the NFL address – Goodell was like pretty much ice cold saying I don't know I don't know I don't owe anybody an apology so we'll see what ends up happening with that as uh, Ben said there are some other juicy storylines going on going on and one of them is Marshawn Lynch and this has been heavily debated since we knew the pay, the Seahawks were going to make the Super Bowl how Marshawn Lynch will do what he has to do to do his quote unquote media op- obligation and for those who have been living under a rock, I think, you know, he doesn't like talking to the press. And he answered his questions with one-liners, you know, all three days that he was under the, that he was under the microscope. I'm going to, Ben, I'm going to ask you first. Do you think that Marshawn Lynch has an obligation to speak with the media, or do you think it's okay for him to, sit, to give his one-line Look at his stopwatch, say, after five minutes, he knows his media obligation is done, and then he can get up and bolt. I personally think, look, he's paid to do one thing, run the football, help his team win the games. He's uncomfortable in front of the, pre- in front of the press. He, you know, ever since what happened with him back in, uh, at the University of California and, and in the beginning in Buffalo, you know, he's really had a loathing relationship with the press. But I, I need to get some other thoughts because it's, there's a lot of back and forth, not only in in uh, social media, but you know on some major networks so, as, as well. I think the answer to that question is both. Um, I, I think he does have an obligation to the press to come out there and do that. And if he wants to get the one-liner, so be it. Um, you know, the, the guy, is, it is part of his job to answer questions for the media. It's not, you know, it, he's a brand ambassador for his team and for the league, and that's, that's part of his job. Now, the reality of the situation is he doesn't want to do it, so he gets stupid answers. And if you're the media, quit chasing it, quit following it. Go ask somebody else, you know. Quit making him the story. Five years from now, this dude's going to be begging for a camera in front of him to be able to, to, be able to say anything. Uh, you know, I, I really hate this whole, like, people assuming he has some kind of mental illness. He certainly didn't have a mental illness when he was on Co- uh, Conan O'Brien the other night. Exactly. He was still in that Skittles commercial. 
So that's not it. Marshawn Lynch just wants to do what Marshawn Lynch wants to do, and just let him do it. There's there's a, there's a hundred other people who would love to have that camera in front of them to talk about stuff. Put it in front of them. Let them talk. Antoine, yeah, you're, yeah I feel uh, the well, same it way. Sounds like it sounds like you're you're in agreement with both me and Ben because me personally, yeah. I I say I'm I'm the same way. I'm like I'm like if you don't want to if you don't want to talk to the press. You know, you don't have to talk to the press. Just do what you well, want. Well, I, I disagree. Well, I disagree with that point. Well, it is an obligation. When you sign a contract, it's certain obligations you have to do, and that's kind of one of them. Now, I agree with I Ben. Like, you know, he can give whatever answer he wants to. Like, obviously, um, I said this on social media. I was like, he has, he has his relationship with the press hasn't really been quite, as you said, like really, you know, all the incidents he's got in his career in Buffalo, the DUIs, hit and run. And he felt like the press really ripped him. So for that, like, he's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say anything, you know, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to rip me or whatnot. So, yeah, I just think that, to be honest with you, that's, you know, if they, it's other stories around, yeah, go do that. But, again, like, I don't personally like it, but it is what it is. He's going to be, he's doing his obligation by just being there. So I'm kind of over the whole thing. But, yeah, he does at least have to be there. So it is other, like, he isn't, his job isn't just to play football. It's, to do other stuff, but he so his, he's fulfilling his obligation by just being there. Although you have to, I do find the one thing I do find find funny though is you see the commercial he's done for Skittles, you see the commercial he's done for Progressive, you see his exactly. appearance on Conan Conan O'Brien. If it doesn't have to do with the mainstream press, he's pretty engaging and actually quite funny, you know, quite funny as well. So I guess it's just like, you know, with what happened to him in the past, you know, he just wants to keep everything private. But I guess if you, you know, if you if you want him to have if you want to have fun with it, you know, then, you know, he'll do it. He'll do it in that way. Moving on. uh, I'm going to ask both of you about this being a legacy game for Bill Belichick and and Tom Brady. Now, we all know. You know, three Super Bowls in four years back when they when they started together and looked like they they were going to be the ultimate dynasty. Hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2004. Now, Tom Brady, 37 years old. Although the Patriots have been one of the more dominant teams, you know, you know, in our generation. Do you think that Brady needs that fourth Super Bowl to like totally complete cement his legacy among the all-time greats? And I'm talking about guys like you know Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, guys that have the have the four rings. And with regards to Belichick, do you think winning this Super Bowl will you know put him up in the pantheon of Tom Landry, Vince Lombardi, Chuck Noll, or do you think if they're already there, this will just enhance the legacy? Uh, Twan, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I just think it enhances their legacy. I think I already think Tom Brady, when you look at his accomplishments, you know, on the field, I think he's already a top three best quarterback all the time. Definitely top five of you ask just about anybody. You look at the yardage, the amount of playoff victories, you know, the QB rating. Uh, he's top ten in QB rating and um, playoff playoff appearances. Hey, I just think he's already there. I think it, uh, it just enhances what he's already done. The same thing with Bill Belichick, I think. You know, it's going to be a cloud, or if people talk about Spygate and this particular situation, but I just think that, um, yeah, I just think he's it's already there. Like I, I think it's, it's their legacy is already set. Honestly, I think if you're talking about legacies, I think I think Seattle's um, like have a legacy they're playing for, especially being considering they could be one of the best defenses 
of all time. Not too many of the great defense like the Ravens and the Bucks really repeated. Um, they all, you have to go back really to the Steelers. So I think if you want to talk about legacy, I think they're the one that have you know, the plan for a legacy in, in particular. Well, Ben, I also wanted to touch you. That was a perfect segue for Ben as well. Ben, outside of the Patriots with the Seahawks legacy, you know, Ben mentioned some of I mean, Twan mentioned some of the great defenses of all time. You're talking about the 85 Bears, the 01 Ravens, the 76, you know, the 76 Steelers. Do you think that if the Seahawks were to be able to shut down the Patriots offense, that's two consecutive Super Bowls that shut down two of the be, you know, best offenses of our generation, do you think that they fall into the pantheon of great defenses in the NFL all time, or what do you call? Or do you think that you know it's you know they there's still a little bit more to do? No, I think they I think they're already there. I don't think they need to shut this one down to be to be considered in that. I mean, they have a great defense in the modern era where you know defense is an afterthought. We're in the re, the arena ball era of the NFL now, where you, you sling it around, you play for the penalty because you know you're going to get past interference 75 percent of the time. Uh, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. So I, I think they're a great defense to this era. Uh, you know, especially with the, the extra hurdles they're having to you know they're having to jump through in order to to be successful on defense. Um, you know, I I don't think that um, yeah I think they're already there. Okay, so on the offensive side, Russell Wilson. We all saw two weeks ago for 57 minutes that the Green Bay Packers possibly had solved the riddle of Russell Wilson. I mean, it was probably some of the worst football that I've seen him play since he, you know since his since his rookie season. And then the last three minutes of regulation, and then overtime, we all saw what Russell Wilson, the real Russell Wilson, as we want to say. Then, knowing that, you know, if the Seahawks were to win this game and he becomes, you know, back-to-back Super Bowl champions, that contract's going to be sitting there waiting for him. What do you think the Seahawks will do contract-wise for Wilson? And do you think that it'll be a contract set up that, you know, will not cripple, but, you know, put a crimp on the, sal- on the, sal- on the salary cap for, for the Seahawks? Or do you think Wilson will do what other quarterbacks have done in the past, take the upfront money but not be much of a cap hit so they can continue to, like, keep the team together as well as, like, bring in, other- bring in more players? I think the contract is going to be one of the richest contracts in NFL history, and I think it's going to be designed front end. Uh, Wilson's smart. He's savvy. He knows what he needs around him. Um, you know, I mean, this is – we watched him against the Packers, and he wasn't as bad as everybody thought he was. I mean, the reality of the situation was two of those interceptions hit a receiver right in the hands uh, yep. and coughed it up for, you know, for interceptions. So Russ really wasn't as bad as, as the media and everybody else made him out to be in that game. I mean, he's, he's a top-flight quarterback in the NFL. According to my personal metric system, he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL. He came in at number four behind Aaron Rodgers, Tony Romo, more Peyton Manning this season, so uh, he's efficient. He moves the football. He does it with his arms and his legs. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a gamer. I mean, this is a guy who can always bring you back when you're down. We saw it happen against Green Bay right there. Uh, you know, this is a guy who can win it with his arms or his feet. So he's going to get one of the uh, one of the richest contracts in history. And I'm, I'm willing to bet it'll be front loaded. Uh, you know, to, to free up cash for the team down the line. Now, Twan, I'm going to go to the other side. Of, you know, I'm going to go to the other side, and I wanted to talk okay. about like Garrett Blunt. You know. What looked like it was going to be a complete waste of a year. We all know what happened with him in Pittsburgh. You know, with him in Pittsburgh. You know how he, you know, got cut. And Belichick picked him up, and once again, it becomes a Belichick reclamation project. We all saw what he did two weeks ago against the against the Colts. Seems like he has the Colts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Any chance he can get. 
Do you think that he is going to be the ultimate key in this game for the Patriots' offense? I'm under the impression myself that he is, because if you look at the four losses that the that the Seahawks had this year, they had issues with power running teams, and even though they defeated the Green Bay Packers two weeks ago, Green Bay did have success running the ball up the middle on them. So, do you think Legarrette One is going to be is going to be carrying a heavy load if allowed? You know, obviously if allowed due to the tempo of the game, or do you think you know Josh McDaniels has something in store for the Seahawks that they've never seen before? Well, probably both. Actually, uh, I think you don't need Kaput to have like a hundred and you know hundred and fifty yard rushing day. That's not going to happen against the Seahawks defense. I think you just need him kind of run the ball like Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy, I believe, had seventy eight yards last week. I mean, two weeks ago against Seattle. If you have, if you just have him get yards when you need him, I think that's what you want. You don't want Brady to throw, sit there and throw the ball like at some amount of times. You want to have be able to keep the, uh run the ball and keep the defenses honest. So I think he is gonna play a part. I don't I'm not on the think they're gonna run a whole lot, especially considering Seattle's defense has been much different since Bobby Wagner, the their linebackers come back into the lineup. They've won eight out of the last nine games. They they remember they were three and three and people were like, Oh, this team may not make the playoffs but I think getting Wagner back was really a big thing. So you're not gonna run you're not gonna run wild against Seattle, but I think you can definitely move the ball and gain yards to get some. And, yeah, I expect Josh McDaniels to have something cooking as far as, like, you know, something we've never seen. That's why a lot of people say maybe, you know, you see a Tim Wright, you know, get some balls this week or whatnot, you know, because everything everybody's going to be so key on Rob Gronkowski. So, and it's going to be something they're going to do. They always, they always have something cooking in the lab. So I have no doubt about that. Now, speaking of uh, Gronk, Ben, uh, you know, obviously – in the beginning of the year, Gronk was getting, you know, was getting rid of his sea legs, and once again, he became the dominant tight end in the NFL as the season went on. Do you think the Seattle Seahawks linebackers are going to, especially Bobby Wagner, are going to be able to stop Gronk or at least contain him? But the double-edged sword being that if they, you know, if they bracket Gronk, you know, guys like Amendola, Amendola and Edelman. You know, and even backup tight ends him right. They might be, they might have some seams in the middle. You know, in the middle of the field. Do you think Gronk is going to have a big game, or do you think because of the bracket, you're going to there's going to be someone else that could be a possible X factor? Well, I think it's going to be a bracket coverage. But when you look at what Seattle does, it's not really man coverage; it's a zone. So what they're going to look to do mm-hmm. is scrape and bump Gronk into the zones that they want him to go to, kind of redirect his routes uh, as he's coming off the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's going to be the the factor. And then Earl Thomas over the top, of course, one of the best known safeties in football. So, uh, you know, I think they are going to bracket him, but it's going to be a bracket zone, not a bracket man. So it's not really going to be uh, uh, something where they're sacrificing a man in coverage somewhere. It's, it's all going to play out according to the way they like to play defense and whether or not they execute it will be key. Now, want to talk to you guys about, you know, obviously, you know, the you know, the pomp and circumstance leading up to this game. There really hasn't been much trash talking. I mean, we did have, you know, a Seahawk player say that Gronk wasn't that good. Some little sniping between Revis and Sherman, not, you know, not full not full bore like it was a couple of years ago about who's the best cornerback in the league. There's obviously a respect for for these two, you know, for these two teams that these two teams have for each other. 
Do you guys feel that this is going to be the type of the, the type of game that we're going to be sitting back and it's going to be a complete chess match? You don't know if the fireworks are going to come off, or do you think this is going to be a type of game that nobody's going to expect? We're going to look at thirty-eight, thirty-five, uh, you know, something of that, or something of that nature, or are we going to see blood on the field, meaning a de- you know a complete defensive struggle? We're looking at the under and stuff like that. Ben, I'm going to start with you. Can I uh, can I take all of the above? Um, <laughs> I expect chess match, blood on the field, you know, type of matchup, but I also expect Seattle to blow them out. Um, you know, I, I don't think that New England's going to be able to hang in this one. I just don't. I, I see this is the same thing last year where I said I saw Seattle blow out and everybody looked at me like I was insane uh, with that Denver offense. Uh, you know, I, I think that they match up incredibly well with uh, with what New England has. Gronk is the lone X factor that really, you know, can he get open. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, you know, I think all the above, but I, I see Seattle winning this one pretty handily. Okay, Antoine, your thoughts on that? Well, I think I, I kind of echo Ben's thoughts. I think I, I don't know if it's going to be a complete blowout like it was last year, but I think the Seattle is going to win by double digits. I think I just think their defense is very too, is too strong. Obviously, they match up very well, and like I say, Gronk is really the the biggest key on their offense. I, I don't think they're going. I don't think New England's going to be able to run the ball that well. I don't. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna key on Braun. I know they're gonna have like zone against them and everything like that. They're not gonna let him beat them per se. And it's gonna be up to other guys to to try to step up and beat him. I just don't see that happening. So and yeah, I just think that I don't know if they're gonna be able to stop Marshawn Lynch as well on the other side of the ball, which is you know we saw against the Baltimore Ravens, the New England Patriots couldn't stop Justin Forsett. So I think you may see a similar type of performance from another ex Cal running back by Marshawn Lynch and. I expect them to have a really big day against that Patriots defense. Now, last question for the both of you guys. It's more pop culture than anything because obviously when it's the Super Bowl, there's the game, but there's also like the party. Oh, oh, it's the party. Oh, okay. I thought it was a halftime question. (laughs) No, 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 no. We we all know it's Katy Perry, and we all know that it's possible that Russell Wilson may be one of the luckiest guys on the face of the planet and possibly dating Katy Perry, but that's neither here nor there. What do you call that? If you want to listen to that stuff, go to like Planet Hollywood or anything like that on, on regular TV. <laughs> but with regards to, with regards to like the lead up to the Super Bowl, I mean, on social media you see all the parties. You you see all the you know Lee Steinberg has his invitation only Super Bowl party, which is like one of the like top parties to get into. Almost like it's almost like that like a party like for the Oscars or something like that. And then you see parties held by e- by ESPN, NFL Network, Yahoo and all this stuff. Back in the day, this will tell you how old I am. Back in the day, it was like there was maybe like one or two parties, the media would go, they would do their stu- they would do their stuff and you, you know, have a little bit of a good time, maybe go to a smoky bar or something like that, have a few drinks and that'll be that. Now, if you're a member of the media and you have the privilege of covering the Super Bowl, you have your pick of the litter of where you want to go, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, and cover the game at the same time. If you had a bucket list, okay, this is the, this is the pop culture question for the both of you. If you had a bucket list and if you got the chance to actually cover a Super Bowl from, you know, media day all the way to the game, what city would you want to do it in, and what would you want? And what would you want to do? What party would be would be the one that you would want to go to? Ben, I'm going to start with you. 
Well, I'm uh, I'm doing that right now, and I'm at one of them, so I don't know if that qualifies me or disqualifies me. But uh, <laughs> um, actually, um, uh, let me well, let me write this down. Ben's bucket list. Check. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's let's just put, let's pencil me in for Vegas and the uh, Victoria's Secret party because I didn't get an invite to that one this year. So. <laughs> well, I think everybody and their mo- and their mother would be in- would want to be invited to the Victoria's Secret party. Tuan, what about you? If you if there if there was something that you wanted to do at the Super Bowl, you know, if as a member of the media, what, what would you uh, what would you be be doing? Um, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big partier. Um, I probably I probably will go to the Super Bowl next year. I had a chance this year, but it was kind of short notice, so. I decided not to go, but I probably just you know just the media just asking questions and things like that. That'd be more or less what I would want to do as far as the party. I mean, if you have food there, yeah, I'm I'm down about that. You know, I love I love to eat, but as far as like you know the big party, you know, I'm not necessarily you know you know all about that per se. Well, if it, what do you call it? the one party that I think that I I personally would have won if I was covering the Super Bowl this year, the one party I would have tried to get myself into was the Juan, the Ron Jaworski party, you know, cigar and cognac and stuff like that. That screams my name. That would be the one party I would want to hit and have a lot of fun and have a lot of fun doing that. Gentlemen, I wanted to thank the both of you so much for joining me this evening on my Super Bowl special. Ben, since you're already partying up the, down in the down in um at the Super Bowl. Once let the people know exactly <laughs> where you are right now and what do you call it, your Twitter handle and everything that you've been doing lately. Well, I'm at uh, Phoenix PM&H Bar right now and uh, just uh, enjoying myself before the big game. You can find me on Twitter at Albright NFL. It's Albright with two L's. And uh, you can find me uh, at 941FM969, Boulder, AM 1550, or milehighsports.com. And, Juan, why don't you let the good people know exactly where they can find you because you're just about everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm doing – I do a whole lot of stuff, baseball, football, you know. You, you can find me at Twitter, Black Red Sox Fan, BlackRedSoxFan.com. Also find my work at Pro Prairie Insiders, NGSHC Sports. Um, I'm everywhere. So, really, the best way to link up to me is just really um, through Twitter and BlackRedSoxFan.com. Exactly, and if uh, you're also on Facebook, and if you belong to like any any uh, any like any of those sports groups, I, you get like 15 hits in a row saying Twan Staley, Twan Staley, Twan Staley. You know, an article is being posted from wherever he's posting from. So it's always a good it's always a good thing. Gentlemen, have a good time tomorrow watching the game. I what do you call? Look forward to hearing your thoughts uh, or seeing your thoughts on uh, the on the Monday after. And yeah. uh, I wish they would make the Monday after the Super Bowl a holiday so that everybody can, like, you know, de- decompress from all, from all the good stuff that's going to be happening. But uh, have a good time, Ben, at the party that you are in, in Phoenix. And, Juan, I'll, t- I'll see you on the other side, man. Take it easy. All right, all right, all right guys. Take it easy. Right. Take it easy, Take it easy And that was Juan Staley and Ben Albright, my first guests here. They are now officially leaving the lab. But... You know, being that I am the mad scientist, I have more experiments that need to be that need to be go through. I also happen to have more test subjects rolling in as they speak, and the next test subject coming in happens to be a very good friend of mine that lives not too far away from me. But I got to tell you, when he was on my show a couple of weeks ago, he had to come back because he's just that damn good. He's from RESN Network, and 
He may be a draft guru, but you could talk to him about anything, everything f- football. Ladies and gentlemen, back in the lab after only a sh- couple of short weeks, because I guess he, what do you call it, he still has to get some more uh, experiments done. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to give you Jeff Loy. Jeff, how you doing? Uh, not too bad. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing very well, sir. I'm doing very well. So... Let me ask you this. What do you call? First things first. What are you doing for tomorrow? And uh, what do you call? And uh, what do you got? Actually, I should say, what do you got planned for tomorrow? Um, usually Super Bowl for uh, me. Uh, my daughter's birthday is February 4th. Um, she was born a few minutes after Plexigo Burris caught the uh, touchdown pass that uh, secured the first Giants Super Bowl victory over the Patriots. So we usually go down. Uh, we go down to my sister. Uh, go to my sister-in-law's. We do a little birthday thing for her. I don't like a big Super Bowl atmosphere. I like to watch the game. Um, now that the kids are older, my daughter obviously will be seven on Wednesday. My older daughter's eight. I don't like to be around people I don't know for the Super Bowl. I'm more of a you know closed environment. I want to watch the game. I want to see what unfolds. It doesn't always work out like last year, obviously, with an absolute shellacking. But, you know, I like to absorb the game around people, you know, I know who are just going to let me be because, yes, I am that weird. I want to see everything, you know, with two weeks to analyze one game and the last game of the year. Um, I'm so into it and so ready for it. I tried to avoid all the nonsense that goes on. I mean, I enjoyed the the Marshawn Lynch stories this week so much more than the deflate gate and that crap. I mean, who cares? It was an absolute butt whipping. Let's go tomorrow. I'm ready. 6.36, whatever. Katy Perry at halftime. My girls are excited. My wife's excited. Let's roll. Well, usually I, me personally, I usually go to a Super Bowl party with a bunch of friends and everything like that. But this is the first year that I can actually say that I'm going to be home with my wife and three kids. Go to watch the, go to watch the game. This is a game that I'm actually very interested in. Yes, I know last year was a complete and utter 100% shellacking. But a good thing last year, and this is a true story, is that when uh, Seattle scored their first touchdown in the third quarter, my daughter happened to have numbers in the Super Bowl box pool where you win you know, $100 per minute. For the quarter that you're in, because the numbers changed every, you know, the numbers changed every, you know, um, you know, when the score changes, you know, the numbers obviously, the numbers obviously change, and it goes, you know, a hundred dollars a minute. For eleven minutes, the score stayed the same, and I'm sitting there with a bunch of my friends, looking at the clock and looking at the score, looking at the clock. Not even paying attention to the game anymore. Just looking at the clock and looking at the score. When it was all said and done. My daughter, four years old at the time, $1,100 richer. And I kept screaming upstairs because the guys were all downstairs watching the game. The, the ladies were upstairs. What well, you know, the ladies were upstairs. I kept screaming to my wife. I went, I went seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes. I, it got to the point where I was almost like texting her like stuff, and we're only like, you know, one floor away. And, you know, it was great. That was about the only good thing that happened for the Super Bowl last year because, like you said, it was a bomb. It was a shellacking. It wasn't fun to watch. You know, by the end of the third quarter, nobody really gave a crap anymore. So I'm expecting <laughs> it to be much different this year. And I'm oh, really, wow. what do you call it? I'm really hoping that we actually see a really, really, absolutely 100% good game. So. 
Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you have two great uh, – two guys are both defensive-minded guys. Um, obviously, they go about their offense in totally different different scenarios about how they do it. But uh, it should make for a great Super Bowl, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so I wanted to talk to you about, you know, on the Seahawks, Seahawks aspect of it because we all know – you know, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, we spoke, you know, the key about the keys to the game, you know, for the championship game, and you were pretty much spot on regarding uh, regarding what the Seahawks had to do against the Packers. Now, you know, I was talking to Ben Albright and um, Chuan Staley right before you came on, and you know, we we talked a little bit about you know Russell Wilson and. You know the game that he had last. The game that he had last week. Uh, excuse me, two weeks ago. I keep saying last week. It just feels like football should. You know, football shouldn't end. But um, <laughs> you know, he threw the four interceptions. Two of them weren't his fault, but two of them were like really, really, really bad. You know, for 57 minutes, it, you know, it looked like it was going to be a train wreck for the Seahawks, and then the real Russell Wilson stepped up. And it was absolutely, you know, 100%, you know, amazing. And what he did in the uh, second part, you know, in the the last five five minutes of that game, meaning regulation and overtime, Russell Wilson is that type of quarterback, you know, that can beat you with his arm and his legs. Now, we've seen quarterbacks in the past that had the same thing, you know, can beat you with the arm, can beat you with the legs, but they can't beat you with your with their mind. Russell Wilson has that mindset, like I will do whatever I can to beat you. What do you think the keys are for him in this game? Because now you're going against, you know, the Patriots mad scientist in Bill Belichick. Because <laughs> you give someone no no, I don't mean it like any pun intended. Well, I do. No, but, but I, I was gonna go there. But, you know, you give someone like him two weeks to come up with some sort of game plan to stop, you know, to, to, to stop a certain someone, he will come up with something. So what do you think Russell is in the mind of Russell Wilson right now, knowing, you know, you're going against Bill Belichick? I mean, we saw what happened a couple of years ago, but it was during the regular season. Obviously, the stakes are much higher right now. Um, for me, uh, you know, I remember there were a couple of years ago uh, where Belichick was starting to run the the defense of dropping 10, dropping 11 guys to, you know, counteract mobile quarterbacks. I think we're going to see a little bit of the, that this, you know, and knowing uh, this week, uh, tomorrow, and knowing the fact the secondary has, obviously, Revis, Browner, McCourty, uh, Logan Ryan, uh, Chung, um, Harmon at safeties. I mean, he has a great, great secondary. So what you're going to do here, and Seattle is a great team. They play within themselves. They play together. But wide receiver, they don't have that one guy that you just absolutely fear. So for me, if I'm Belichick, and you know, I love the fact that you went with the Mayad scientist because that definitely fits with Bill. Why don't you, you know, third and nine, third and ten, third and eleven? Go ahead, drop ten, drop eleven. Make Russell have to find a way to beat you solely on the passing game. We all know what Russell can do when he breaks the pocket. We all know what he can do on the run, can find guys, um, you know, whatever the pattern starts at. Obviously, the, the receivers know to adjust, find the open space, 
uh, completions that you know lead to the chains moving. That's something I would look at, and it's going to be interesting how Russell Wilson is going to be able to handle that. It's definitely something that's going to be looked at tomorrow. It's something I'm looking for, and I'd be shocked if Belichick didn't do it. Well, we're in for a treat right now, ladies and gentlemen, because joining us live right now is one of the all-time great linemen that ever suited up in the NFL. He is a former All-Pro, both with the Houston Oilers and the Tennessee Titans, one of the toughest players to ever play to play the game, and actually one of the nicest guys I have ever met. Per, I have ever met, ladies and gentlemen, Sirius XM Radio's own Brad Hopkins. Brad, pleasure talking to you tonight. Welcome aboard the Mad Scientist Sports Lab. Now, how am I supposed to live up to that? Really? Seriously. Well, you have. I mean, the, the numbers in your career have spoke, are spoken for yourself. It's us that have to live up to your standards, sir. No, 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 no. I really appreciate you guys having me on. And it's always good to talk some sports, especially with people who are interested in this crazy, crazy game that uh, obviously we all love. Yeah, we were just actually talking. Jeff and I were actually talking about Russell Wilson and what Bill Belichick will try to do to make Russell to Wilson just beat him with his arm, not with the legs. So I wanted to touch with you know touch up with you on that. You know, we all know that Wilson not only can beat you with his arm, with his legs, but also his mind. But you give Bill Belichick two weeks to prep for a game, you never know what he's going to come up with to try to like get into the mind of a quarterback. So. If you were Russell Wilson, what would you be thinking going against a guy, you know, as you, you know, as, a, as experienced on the defensive side like a Bill Belichick? That's a good question. Um, and it's it, what you're trying to do is, is be preemptive. What are they going to do against me to try and exploit my weaknesses? I mean, that's that's obviously what this game is about. It's about filling in holes. And I think that last weekend we saw a lot of those because Russell Wilson basically contributed to four turnovers and. And if, that, if you think that's the formula to beating the Seattle Seahawks, then by all means go do it. But that's not, not normally how they won ball games. They they ran ball games by having balance. Um, Marshawn Lynch is a healthy part of that balance, and and when he and Luke Wilson can create those mismatch problems um, underneath, and it opens things up for Jermaine Curse like we saw last weekend. Uh, but I think that you know having a guy specifically designated to keeping him in the pocket is something that they're going to do. They're going to spy Russell Wilson. And they're going to be trying trying to make their edge rushers really effective and making him see things from the front and not be able to escape. So that's that's kind of what I think that they're going to do to try and stop him. Now, Brad, you speak of Marsh. You know, you speak of Marshawn Lynch, and you know we don't know if this is his last game as a Seahawk because you know there have been a lot of rumors going around this year with him and everything like that, and um, you know. But if this were to be his last game, a lot of people are expecting it to be probably one of the one of the shining moments of his career. We all know we've seen what he's done, you know, in some of the biggest games, you know, of his, of his career. We've seen some of the greatest runs from him, especially against the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs a couple of years ago, and you know, against them and against them as well last year. Do you see Lynch going for about? say, a buck and a quarter behind the Seattle offensive line because the offensive line seems to still be a little bit banged up. They haven't really been healthy this whole year. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, first off, you know that that Marshawn is 
first off, one of those patient runners that's going to press the hole, and if need be, he'll cut back because he does have that burst. But his his effectiveness really comes from when guys get their hands on him, or should I say when he gets his hands on guys that are trying to tackle him and getting those tough yards after contact. And that has nothing to do with really what the offensive line is doing. Um, you can limit as many guys as possible getting helmets on Marshawn Lynch, but ultimately at the end of the day, he doesn't mind the contact. Um, so, but I think that this is a formidable defense really to kind of stop the run more so than it is to, to um, you know, confuse Russell Wilson. The reason why I say that is because Vince Warfolk is, is a man amongst men that's going to at least require two gaps uh, in responsibility yep. even at the zone of that dude. So that means that somebody's going to be freed up somewhere to either spy and make plays to keep Marshawn Lynch within those lanes. You know what I mean? It's called good ball fits and, and lane responsibility. And if they can be disciplined like that, then they'll make it hard for Marshawn, who is a downhill runner, to really get effective, especially if you're talking about, you know, Russell Wilson being forced to be in a shotgun situation because it's not, you know, him allowing Marshawn Lynch to kind of wind up and get going downhill. Jeff, I wanted to touch up with you now about LeGarrette Blunt because you look at LeGarrette Blunt, you're looking at 245 pounds, you know, another downhill runner. We saw what he did last week against uh, against the Colts. I mean, it seems like he loves to, you know, have the Colts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner whenever they, you know, whenever they play each other. You know, a lot of success. We do know that the one small weakness that the Seattle defense has is against power-running teams. How much of a factor do you think Garrett Blunt is going to be, and do you think that Josh McDaniels has a game plan set that you know if I can you know if I can find the weakness in the Seattle defense, I'm going to use it until they finally, you know until until they finally decide mm-hmm. to like clog the run, you know, and open up the pass lanes for uh, for for Brady. So give me your thoughts on that. Well, um, uh, first off. Uh, he actually is a, is a rhythm runner. You know what I mean? In other words, it takes him a few carries to kind of get into the flow of things, and then he just kind of grows as the drive progresses. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's been, he's streaky, though. You know, had he been this guy that ran the ball like we saw last weekend against Indianapolis, and he probably would still be wearing the black and gold, like I would imagine. But, you know, whatever has happened, and maybe Le'Veon Bell is just that much more of a man to keep his job, and, you know, it sent Garrett Packin back to the place that he ran effectively last season at this point in time, you know? I thought in the beginning of the year when New England basically, you know, kind of let him get away because of this, you know, signing to a one-year deal, that that was going to be a huge issue. Fortunately, they got him back at the right time. But, you know, when you talk about both of these guys being effective runners, you're talking about what? When they're on point, that means the other guy doesn't have the ball in his hands, which means it affects his flow. So, Whichever one of those guys gets off first, to, you know, to really, you know, putting putting together that, you know, ten, twelve play drive that depilled that just really kind of grinds down the defense, you know, and, and wins the time of possession, then that's the the, the offense, in my opinion, that's got the inside track. Jeff, I'll pose the same question to you. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. Uh, the thing with me with uh, Legarrette Blount is he seems to be. As far as, you know, Belichick, you look back as far as, the, you know, from being the Parcells clone, he seems to be the game finisher. You know, once, you know, they smell the, you know, the blood in the water, you know, you're going to re- release Blunt, uh, obviously a lot like, you know, Seattle does with Lynch, and he goes and he just hammers away and hammers away and protects the lead. Um, obviously the way the whole Pittsburgh thing worked out, you know, him walking off the field, you know, people, you know, anything that goes on with New England, everybody was, you know, wants to scream behind the scenes, there was an agenda, 
I just, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell is just that good of a back that, you know, there was not many other touches to be had, obviously, which came, you know, be their undoing, you know, obviously in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, he's a hammer. You know, he's going to go in there. He's going to finish the game off. For me, I just don't see him getting to flourish in his role. I think Seattle, you know, I look at the Jet game, the two Jet games this year. The Jets obviously didn't have a great season. But the two Patriot games combined, they lost by three points. And how did they beat him? With an effective running quarterback. Chris Ivory, who's got some Marshawn Lynch to him. Same type of thing. Just keep hammering, keep hammering, keep hammering. Geno, both games, uh, averaged 218 yards in the air. uh, Between the two games, he ran for almost 80 yards. So you're getting 40 yards a pop from your quarterback. That's the type of game plan, you know, and obviously Seattle, much better D, much better team overall. So the matchup there, obviously, it bodes well for Seattle, in my opinion. But, you know, like we've talked about, you give Bill Belichick two weeks to get into something, there's going to be some stuff we're going to see. And like, you know, Brad was saying earlier, the spy, Jamie Collins, in my opinion, number 91, second-year linebacker out of southern Mississippi, he's the guy to watch here. He really is. Can he contain Russell Wilson himself? He's very capable of doing it. He showed up very well last year in the playoffs. He's a guy you really got to keep your eyes on. Now, Brad, I'm going to go back to you and talk about Bobby Wagner. We saw what happened with the Seattle defense when, you know, Wagner was out. Something seemed to be missing. It seemed like, you know, part of the heart and soul from a from a, from a from a player so young was missing, and they went four and three without him. When he came back, that defense started getting roll. That was rolling along and has been rolling along since then. With the secondary, otherwise known as the Legion of Boom, you know, banged up a little bit with Sherman and the and the and the stretch ligaments in his elbow, the minor separated shoulder that Earl Thomas has, and the knee injury that Cam Chancellor just suffered this week this week in practice. How much pressure do you think it puts now on, you know, Bobby Wagner, the linebacking core, as well and the front four? Well, I'm not putting a whole bunch of stock into this thing that happened with Earl Thomas on Friday. Sure, I mean, it might be something that kept him off the practice field, but, you know, for something that is not full speed, you know, it's not like something he sustained during the game, and he does have a few days to rehab and kind of get it right. You know, I don't really expect it to be much of an issue. Um, Richard Sherman, I thought, might be playing a little bit of possum. Unfortunately, Green Bay didn't test him to see if, in fact, you know, his arm couldn't be bent past 90 degrees or if, in fact, he was just kind of, you know, setting a trap for Aaron Rodgers to fall into. Uh, but either way, you know, there might be a baby issue with Richard Sherman. We don't know. If Jeremy Lane has to step up, then he'll step up, you know. But I think that, you know, this is an experienced defense that, that was led by Bobby Wagner in the beginning, and, Everybody knows that a Mike linebacker is the quarterback of the defense, and when that guy comes back, it's just a, it's just a feeling of 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 confidence that you know your unit is back together. I think that that's what he provides. Now, Jeff, uh, on the other side, you know the Patriots secondary no slouch themselves. You have a healthy Darrell Revis. You have a healthy Brandon Brandon Browner, a former member of the of the Legion of Boom. You know, their safeties who caught a lot of flack in the beginning of the year, you know, toughened up. And have to say, you know, with the Seattle no-name wide receiving core, I mean, outside of Doug Baldwin, you have Curse and pretty much, you know, pray for rain after that. You know, 
how much stock do you put in the in the Patriots in the secondary for this game? Because even though you know Baldwin and Curse, you know, doesn't seem like they do much. You look at the numbers that they put up in the playoffs; they're very, you know, very very effective in what they do. So, how much pressure do you think it is now on on the Patriots the secondary, you know, to force more mistakes out of Russell Wilson? Um, see, when you have a, a wide receiving core, obviously like Seattle. Um, it, it's hard to game plan about them, around uh, for them. I'm sorry, I should say, because you don't exactly. There's no like cleanup hitter. There's no main guy that you have to say we have to eliminate this guy. You know, Wilson, the tight end, can have a big game. Curse, obviously, we know what he can do. Obviously, Baldwin is always a chain mover. You know, brings that in intensity, tenacity to the game. So you can't always say, oh, well, we'll just take this guy away and, you know, we'll take the A guy away and let B, C, and D beat us if that's the case. So you know, it, it works well. But like I said, if Wilson is able to break the pocket, that's when it all gets crazy. That's when it gets hectic. These guys know how to work with that. So for the for as experienced and as talented as the secondary is for New England, I think they match up well. But the thing is there's really no known to what Seattle's going to bring to them. Uh, you know, obviously we know Curse will go deep, you know, maybe one or two times. They'll try to take their shot there. But a lot of it is underneath stuff, a lot of rub routes, a lot of crisscrossing. And you never know how that stuff's going to play out. It's really hard to cover it, and that's how you succeed with, you know, players who aren't brand names at the position. You know, granted they have good enough safety play that they can cover up for this, the guys in New England. You know, with McCourty, obviously Harmon. Chung's more of a in-the-box, a little bit more of a physical guy. But it's really hard to game plan for Seattle past Marshawn Lynch because if you're going to game plan passing-wise, there's so many guys you don't really have, you know, a thought in mind as to who is the guy you're going to stop. So if you're getting one-on-ones, anybody's capable of winning a one-on-one. Now, Brad, being a former player in the NFL, Obviously, getting ready for a game, you have to be in a certain mindset. You know, may have a superstition, may have, you know, may have to do something. You know, may have to do something to get yourself. You know, you know, in that frame that you know you're about to step on the field of battle. What do you think is going through the players' minds right now, knowing they're going they're going into the biggest game of their some of them the biggest game of their career, and some of them are going to be. You know, what type? You know, how do they? Let the moment sink in. How much, you know, do do players have butterflies, you know, when it when it comes to a game like this? And, you know, what's the mindset really have to be for these teams to be 100% sharp going into this game? If you treat this game, Nick, differently than any other game, you're in trouble. This game is predicated on systems and it's predicated on perfecting those systems. And when you deviate from course, that means you deviated from preparation. That means you're not doing the things that you've done consistently to get you to the point you're at. So you're in trouble. If you treat this game any differently than the one that you treated at the beginning of September when the season started, you, you know, you're already you're not doing something that you did typically um, to get you closer to that 10,000 hours of being mastered at whatever it is that you do. So the, the, the ones that have been there before, they know how comfortable they can make themselves to be – as efficient in this type of atmosphere. It doesn't matter to them to stay. They just have a job. They've, they've developed a system. They've perfected it, and they go out and do it. It doesn't matter how long halftime is or what big names are now singing the Star Spangled Banner. You know, the task is what? Go out there and play the game that you've perfected 
and come home with the Lombardi. That's ultimately it. It doesn't, you know, if you get wrapped up into all the fanfare, the hoopla, and all that stuff, and start looking at the old trapeze act, and that's when you become more nervous and start doing things that are uncustomary and start making mistakes. Now, Jeff, Jeff, being like a huge fan, you know, a huge fan of the game, as well as someone that analyzes analyzes it twenty four seven three sixty five. What is something that you would be if you were, you know, if you were coaching? What is something that you would be doing leading up to the game, you know, scouting wise to make sure that your team is fully prepared, you know, for the field of battle, especially in a game of this magnitude. Um, well, you know, like everyone always says over the years, is you want to get, you know, your due diligence done the week before you arrive to the venue. And then it's just, you know, following through on the game plan. The practice is there. I mean, everybody knows, and like everybody said, the hoopla. Everybody knows what's going on. Make sure your game plan is, for the most part, in store before you hit the venue, before you hit the city. Mm. I mean, think about it. I mean, how many times does a team show up a week early for a road game? And essentially, this is obviously, it's a road game for both teams. Obviously, the neutral site. But, you know, you get there, you have all the commitments, the obligations. You want the nuts and bolts, the X and O's taken care of the week before. And then it's just continuing to make sure that this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to work it. Obviously, you know, you're going to come up with maybe a wrinkle or two, you know, in a, in a couple of days before the game. But it's, you know, these guys with all the hoopla, it's a shame all the hoopla that goes on and all the parties on. The guys who were the biggest part of what the Super Bowl is, they, none of them experience it. I mean, you know, you have your family there. You know, you get your practices in. You get a meal in. You spend some time with your family. And then it's back to watching film. You try to keep yourself alienated from everything that's going on. You just want these guys as focused as they can. I think for the younger guys on your teams, your first, second year, third players, they're the ones that maybe have a little bit of a harder problem with it because they realize and they know everything that's going on. Their phones are blowing up, obviously, with this day and age now, the way social media is. But the older guys, they want this ring. This is It's basically you know the cherry on top of the Sunday of their career. This is what you want. So, I mean, you look after the younger guys, the older guys, the veterans. This is what they want. I mean, even Russell Wilson in his third year. I mean, he knows what it's like to be a two-time Super Bowl champion. You know, Tom Brady, this is the crowning achievement of, in you know, putting himself in top three, top four quarterbacks to ever play this game. The rest of it is just, you know, making sure everybody stays in line and let's not have anything stupid, you know. I mean, you know, Barrett Robbins, an incident like that. Eugene Robinson had his Super Bowl incident. Look, let's just get to Sunday. Let's just get to 630. Let's kick this game off and let's give them the best we got and let's go home champions. Well, Nick, it sounds like we already know who Jeff picked because he already said that Russell Wilson is a two-time Super Bowl champion. I was about to say. I think yeah, we know who he who he who he thinks that is going to win the Super Bowl. Which <laughs> actually, what do you call? It's going to be my final question to the both of you, uh, being that we're almost you know we're almost uh, up on time over here. So, Jeff. Since you've already said two-time champion, what's the final <laughs> score going to be? <laughs> um, for me, uh, I'll go with an odd score because you always seem to get like something weird that happens in a Super Bowl, with it, whether it's a missed extra point or a safety or a two-point conversion comes in. Um, I'll give you something like a, a 33-20 Seattle win. Um, and for me, you know, the media, as much as they pound him, I want Marshawn Lynch to be MVP of this game. I want it so bad. 
because they just beat on this guy. And look, there's some guys who are meant to speak with media, and there's guys who aren't. Let Marshawn go ahead and be MVP of this game. I mean, because as much as they want to dog him, the guy doesn't get in trouble off the field. He plays injured. He plays dinged. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to be looking at a two-time Super Bowl champion in Seattle. And I'll admit, I wrote him off about week five, six, when Wagner was out and Cam Chancellor was out. They weren't looking good. Arizona was looking really good. Uh, San Francisco was playing well. But, uh, you know, I'll bite the bullet here and admit I was wrong. But uh, I think Pete Carroll and the boys up in Seattle, all the 12s, yeah, you're going to be looking at a two-time Super Bowl champion. And, Brad, why don't you give us your prediction, and uh, then after that we'll go from there. Well, I, I see this being um, really coming down to the two backs. You know, whichever one of those guys um, has the most effective day, and it really comes down to which team doesn't make the biggest mistake. I think that it's not going to become, you know, one of these teams outplaying the other one. It's going to come down to who doesn't, doesn't you know, step on themselves uh, to create a turnover that really kind of, you know, puts the game in the other team's hands. I think it's going to come down to that. Um, if everything's even on offense, which I kind of think it is, uh, the inside track will definitely be pass rush, which is where Seattle, in my opinion, is the favorite. So I think Seattle will win it 31-27. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining me in the lab tonight to, with my Super Bowl special, Brad I know you're probably going to be a busy man tomorrow on Sirius XM Radio. Why don't you let the people know where they can where they can find you and uh, when your show is? Well, you can find me on Twitter at b underscore hop seventy two. Uh, we usually do the post game wrap up on um, Sunday evenings on NFL Rewind. That'll be starting after the Super Bowl, of course, probably next week. But you can also catch me on College Sports Nation on Channel ninety one. Sometimes during the week I do fill in, and I also like uh, to do some stuff on Bleacher Report Radio with Nicole Zalunas and uh, um, Rick Buecher, so you can check me out over there, too. Awesome, and Jeff, why don't you let the good people know where they can also find you? Um, we can always find me Monday nights on Blog Talk myself, doing my RSCN Draft Room show. Um, you know, start to uh, have some of the uh, college prospects, obviously, on their draft journey coming on in here in the coming weeks. Um, been doing some uh, Google Hangouts, evaluating prospects with some, you know, some of the evaluators in the game. Uh, love Love this time of the year as much as I hate seeing the NFL season end. I do love the draft process, which is you know probably my biggest passion as far as the NFL game. Uh, Brad, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, mad respect for you and the the Tennessee teams that you uh, you were a part of. You know McNair, Derek Mason, Mr. Eddie George. Love those teams. The move to Nashville was such an exciting time. Um, so you know that's where I'm at. Uh, you know, there's nothing better. Uh, you know, have the iPad fired up. We'll be watching a little draft breakdown tonight. <laughs> The wide receivers, best time of the year for me. You know that. And, Nick, look, we ain't too far apart. Uh, maybe a cocktail or two and avoid these kids some night, you know? Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. And if and if Mr. Hopkins ever comes up uh, comes up north, I buy him a beer any day of the week. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for, for joining me this evening. Have a good time watching the Super Bowl tomorrow. And uh, hope to talk to both of you in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for the kind right words, Jeff, you, and uh, have, a, have a great day, you guys. See ya. Thanks, both of you. Have a great night. Bye-bye. And that was Brad Hopkins, former All-Pro Tennessee Titan and Houston Oiler, as well as Jeff Lloyd from RSEN, two great guys. We're not done yet, ladies and gentlemen. we got plenty of time to go here on the Mad Sciences Super Bowl special. But before we get into the second half, got to run a little commercial for you. 
You live it, breathe it, dream about it. You poured your blood, sweat, and tears into it. And this year, victory is yours. Because you've got FantasySportsWarehouse.com as your secret weapon. Fantasy Sports Warehouse is your one-stop shop for fantasy sports products, blogs, and the latest info. Go to FantasySportsWarehouse.com to get info to help you dominate the fantasy sports season wherever you go. That's right, FantasySportsWarehouse.com is where it's at right now. And not only can you listen to the Mad Scientist live right here on Fantasy Sports Warehouse Radio, but we're also syndicated on marinasportsnet.com and i95sportsnet.com. So you can listen live here or you can listen to the syndicated uh, podcasts right here or on the other two networks as well. Well, you know... Going into the second half, you know, there's a little bit of a heady heart for me because, you know, supposedly, you know, fantasy football season is over. But au contraire, ladies and gentlemen, we still have one more game. It's the Super Bowl. There's still some fantasy football left. So I got to thinking, I got to thinking, I was like, you know, I need to talk some fantasy football about the Super Bowl. And what better people for me to call and ask to come on my show than two lovely ladies, sisters no less, that have one of the most successful independent podcasts talking about fantasy football. And they just happen to be with me tonight, and I am one lucky dude. I'm just going to say that out loud. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado... Brandon and Ashley from Her Fantasy Football joining me tonight talking Super Bowl and fantasy football. What better? What better? Good evening, ladies. Hello. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. This is Ashley. Hello, Ashley. And I see another 720 number on as well. There's actually two 720s. Oh, really? Hi, this is Gladys Tyler, fantasy football writer. How you doing, Gladys? How's everything going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Very, very and excited we have to be with Brandon and Ashley. And we have someone from the 612 area code. That's Brandino. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's amazing. So, ladies, what do you call it? Joining us also happens to be one of my one of a one of the writers from Fantasy Sports Warehouse, Gladys Louise Tyler, who happens to also live in the seven two zero area code. So, not too far from Ashley. I have to say, Brandon, you've been on my show a few times. I finally got one of your sisters. What do you call it? But I just <laughs> want to say one. I finally just want to say one thing. Hi, Courtney. I miss you. When are you going to come on my show? Just saying. But what do you call? Anyway, if they, if she's listening, Courtney, okay. hi, how you doing? But first thing is, being that this is the last game of the year, it's you know, you know, fantasy football season supposedly technically came to an end, but you still have those daily daily fantasy sites that you know have an amazing you know have those amazing like one day leagues where you can just pop in throw in a lineup and possibly win a boatload of money and the super bowl is probably going to be one of those is going to be one of those 
games that a lot of money will be played on. And before I go any further, the fantasy football girl just happened to join us. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the most famous fantasy football experts out there who, if you go to scout.com, you can watch her do her, her two-minute mini videos on who to play, and she's spot on 99.99% of the time. And another former guest of, you know, of a few of my shows also here tonight, Liz Loza. Liz, how are you? I am good, Nick. Thanks so much for having me. Fun to be here on Super Bowl Eve. And thank you for such yes. a glowing introduction. Wow, my show is sufficiently stroked. Well, considering the fact, you know, that's the way I am when you have, you know, three of the three of the best fantasy football experts on the planet with you, Brandon and Ashley on the on you know, on the same show, like I said, who better than me right now? But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I was just, just I was talking with you know we're talking you know daily fan daily fantasy sites and being that the Super Bowl is you know the game of the you know the game of the year you know even though you only have two teams you know FanDuel DraftKings they'll have their you know their daily their Super Bowl tournaments so I wanted to pick each of your brains on if you were doing a daily fantasy daily fantasy game for the Super Bowl. Who is someone that you would pick right off the bat, no hesitation, you know, even, you know, running against the salary cap? So I'm going to start with the ladies from Her Fantasy Football with Brandon. Who right off the bat, you know, would be salary-wise, someone that you would pick knowing that, you know, knowing that, you know, you're going to look at, you look at the salary, you have a cap, and you're like, you know what, he's the best bang for the buck, I'm going to put him on my team this week. Well, you know, um, it, it's interesting. First of all, you can't actually play daily on just the Super Bowl legally on, like, DraftKings or FanDuel or anything. There has to be more than one game. You, you, actually, to, can play, you actually can play on, a, on an app called Rivalry Games. It's the only app that allows you to play on, um, on Super Bowl Sunday. It was just in Forbes magazine, and it's a, it's a great app. I'm friends with the owner. He's wonderful. Um, is actually at the FSTA with his friend and his name's Justin Lander, and it's Rivalry Games, and that's the only Super Bowl Sunday daily app going. Yeah, and it's like um, there's something about it being more gambly, if you will. I don't know if you saw that, like uh, in Seattle, they're doing a big, you know, push right now to legalize daily fantasy sports, and people showed up in their Seattle Seahawks gear uh, on the, the eve of the Super Bowl. So there's quite a push for it, but. Yeah, so um, if you went to like a, one of the like larger sites and not on the rivalry dot, uh, the rivalry app, um, you're you're going to be a little disappointed. But what they did was they combined it with the Pro Bowl, which uh, is is fascinating to me. So if you already got in on that, that's cool. Then you also already have it in for um, the Super Bowl. But you know, it's interesting. We have we have three fantasy football people here, and and all of us are are women, which is crazy because one of the big focuses of um, the FSTA, the Fantasy Sports Trade Association uh, conference that uh, Liz and I both just attended in Las Vegas earlier this month, uh, only 5% of people who play daily are women, although 20% of people who play league long are women. So there's a huge discrepancy. So next year we're going to do a big encouragement for women to be playing daily fantasy. I know this is a really long roundabout. Two, I think you have to play Marshall Lynch and Gronk. And bet everything you can on them if you're into gambling. That would be my big thing. I think they're both awesome. 
And I know that's the, like, easiest, most bizarre, but uh, only two teams gave up more touchdowns to tight ends than the Seahawks last year. So it's going to be huge. Okay, Ashley, do you agree with your sister, or are you two going to be butting heads about this? <laughs> well, Brad and I always butt heads. That's part of the fun of our show, and that's not even <laughs> planned. That's, that's just our life in general. <laughs> you know, dollar-wise, I actually like Jermaine Curse a lot in this situation because, mm-hmm. you know, Russell Wilson's been targeting him quite a bit as of recently, and as we know, wide receivers for Seahawks has not exactly been the biggest bang for your buck in general since they're such a run-heavy team. But, you know, recently he's been picking it up, and I think dollar-wise, I think he's a really good option. And, of course, Liz. Now, just a little precursor. I saw Liz's video a um, <laughs> couple of days ago, and, yeah, I you could say I put a lot of stock on Brandon LaFell right now because I actually <laughs> – so, are you going to stick with that story, or is there someone else that you is there someone else that you're keeping in your back pocket right now that you're going to be like I'll show them? <laughs> well, I think that the answer. I mean, if I am playing anybody, then I totally agree with Brandon and would feel that Gronk is the number one daily play if you are playing daily on Rivalry, and it's good for you if you are. So I would say Gronk is the obvious play on the New England side of the ball, and um. The Seahawks side of the ball is absolutely Marshawn Lynch. But out of those two rather obvious choices, then if you're looking for guys who, you know, may make an impact, could make an impact, and so much of this depends on on game flow. And as I said in my video, when you're rolling with the pass in the Seahawks, all bets are off. I do think Brandon LaFell strategically has an opportunity. Um, It's going to be tough because, obviously, Seattle secondary is the best, one of the best in in the league. So rolling to the outside with, regardless, um, even if it's Byron Maxwell and not Richard Sherman, it's still going to be quite a challenge. But I do think knowing that Bill Belichick is such a matchup guru and knowing that his feel for the game is better, I would say even better than Pete Carroll's, though, I mean, Pete Carroll's no slouch, he is going to want to put seven on the board as fast as possible. And to do that, you're going to throw to your deep threat. And if LaFell can, you know, in the first moments of the game, now he's not going to, Brady's not going to target LaFell in quarters two and a half to four. But in that first quarter, I do think he's going to try to get him. And if LaFell can get enough separation on Maxwell, who I expect will be covered by, um, then the Pats will be in an ideal position to keep momentum going their way. Although I have to admit, Brandon made a really good point on the X's and Y's podcast, which on which she was a guest, my, my podcast this past Wednesday, um, and that the Seahawks were going to try to penalize, draw as many penalties as possible to stop the um, to stop Tom Brady's momentum and the Patriots' flow. So I do think he's going to try to go deep as fast as possible to LaFell. The question is, can LaFell, the Patriots' deep threat, pull it out? So, you know, it's a big question mark. On the Seahawks' side of the ball, if you're looking for a similar, like, ooh, he could be a secret weapon, I think their tight end, Luke Wilson, has some real potential. He's athletic. He's beastly. He's already scored in the postseason. And I don't have as much faith in Jermaine Curse or Doug Baldwin. Well, I don't have as much faith in Jermaine Curse as Ashley May. And I don't have as much faith in Doug Baldwin as Doug Baldwin certainly does in himself. Have you ever <laughs> seen a wide receiver like <laughs> laugh his lips? I was like, dude, you're a blocking wide receiver. Congratulations. Stop talking. Um, <laughs> but anyway. They're rough. Yeah. I, I feel like Luke Wilson is like a nice secret weapon for them in the middle, and he's so big and he can cause mismatches that he might be 
I don't know. I, I would like to see Pete Carroll, if he wants to beat the Patriots at their own game, kind of do more sh- shorter. He's going to – Ruffles is going to have to throw the ball against Tom Brady. He can't just run all the time. So if he's going to throw the ball, I'd like to see him use some of those shorter passing um, passing routes and, and focus on the middle a, a little bit more, and Luke Wilson could blow up there. But, again, those are really big ifs. And what I have to say is these are the two teams that I literally don't ever go to for sleepers because they're mm-hmm. the teams that never have um, consistent game plans. So, you you know, Doug Baldwin may have one good game, and then he'll be terrible for four weeks in a row. And as you know, you can't trust any running back in New England, although Blount at the end of the season has become kind of that guy. But – these are the two of the most frustrating teams as far as being a fantasy owner is concerned, uh, other than the big names. So it's like it, it's like easy to say that, but at the same time, like if I were doing a season-long league, I don't have any other Seahawks or Patriots on my teams other than the big guys. Because Gronk, they're not Lynch, and Wilson, maybe, and Brady. Yeah, the quarterback, maybe, and then yeah. the Seahawks running back, and obviously the Patriots tight end. Well, I'm going to throw in there. story is, Fantasy-wise, we don't like either of these teams, really. <laughs> I was about to say, it, see, it, it kind of sort of seems like that. But I'm going to throw a name out that, you know, I actually – I'm in a playoff pool fantasy league in which, you know, I was able to, like, draft players from the wild, from wild card all the way to all mm-hmm. the way to Super Bowl. And right now, I, what do you call it? I'm going to pat myself on the back because right now I'm in first pit place going into tomorrow. And I still have a full squad go. full of both Patriots and Seahawks. I know people, you know, people that are certain that, that you know, root for the Denver Broncos probably hate me for saying that, Brandon. Um, but um, <laughs> Listen, I said on the show that I knew it was going to be Patriots and Seahawks in the Super Bowl. It just bored me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, this is like evil versus evil for anybody from the Broncos fan. Yeah, I kind of sort of figured that, figured figured as much. <laughs> but what do you call? I actually picked up Danny Amendola this week. And I think that's a great that's a great idea. I think that's smart. Because I was I was thinking I was like you know what Gronk is going to get bracketed. You know you're going to have Edelman. You're going to have LaFell, but Something about Amendola this week is just screaming for, like, a huge game. And I can see Josh McDaniels doing another one of those trick plays that gets him involved. So, Liz, I'll start with you. Danny Amendola, smart play or what am I thinking? Are you insane? How are you in first place? (laughs) Uh, No, I think that's a great – I mean, I I kind of jumped the gun and you heard me. So I think it's a great – I think it's a great idea. I, I do think, listen, if you're going to – if there is a defensive weak link for Seattle, it's that middle. And, you know, Julian Edelman is going to get a lot of attention because he's the Patriots' number one receiver. So I think some uh, – I think the Pats are going to use a healthy a combination of Amendola and, and Julian Edelman. And Amendola has been plucky. He's healthy, which is new for him. And I think you can very well get lucky. And I also think part of the deal with daily strategy, which is – not exactly what you're playing, but I think when you're playing into the postseason, it lends itself to daily strategy because it's not the season-long prospect, is that you have to find the sleepers that not everybody is high on. Otherwise, just strategically speaking, if everybody thinks that, you know, Luke Wilson is a great sleeper this week, then your odds when he goes off are immediately diminished. So if Danny Amendola, I keep Danny Amendola's, it's so hard for me to say his name sometimes, <laughs> Danny Amendola is flying under the radar 
so much so that he's not on the, you know, nobody else is picking him up. If he goes off, that's the type of situation where you win in in that format, in that postseason fantasy format. So I think that that's a great idea. And not only are they going to use him, but I also think strategically speaking, it's smart. So good on you, Nick. I mean, when you bring it home, I hope you write a whole article and brag about it. I can't wait to see him at least, you know, hopefully at least get some yardage for you, maybe even score a TD. Well, me writing, yeah, not that great because when I, I could talk very well, but whenever I put pen to paper, it's one run-on sentence. Trust me when I say that. Well, I work for Paul. Yeah, true. (laughs) Brandon, Ashley, same question to you guys. Danny Amendola, smart play, or Nick, what are you thinking? (laughs) I think in this this circumstance, I would pick Danny Amendola over any of the Seahawks wide receivers. So I think – Interesting. Although I think, I think, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I feel like the Seahawks never have a guy that I actually like. And whenever I think someone has a good game, if I'm watching tape, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, this, you know, Paul Richardson had a good game, uh, you know, back in the regular season. I would look at the stats and ended up that in fantasy he didn't, you know. So they're very team-oriented like that, which is nice, which is how they win games. But your fantasy team is rough. So what you're leaning on is that he's going to pop. Right, that he's going to be the guy, and um, you know, I think there's a 50-50 chance of that, but I think there's a 25% chance that any of the receivers, including any of their tight ends that they bring in from wherever they need them now, on the Seahawks side, I mean, I just don't know. So, as it, as we said before, this, these two teams are the most frustrating. I covered the Seahawks for us this year, so I'm like maybe especially down on them in a in an unfair way. But, yeah, I think it's great. I think, and congratulations. First place going in, I'm cheering for you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ashley. <laughs> I think that, you know, why not? It's the, it's the last game of the year. Why not take a little yeah. bit of a gamble and a risk, you know? Just give you something to cheer for. I do think they're going to really hone in on Gronk and Edelman, which will leave Amendola and the a bit more open. I just historically really struggle with, Amendola, he, you know, historically lets you down each time. But, you know, with that said, I mean, I love the press conference, too, and they asked Brady, they're like, what about, you know, your receiving core? He's like, oh, Estelle's been great, and Edelman's been great, and Gronk is a man, and, you know, Amendola, he's, you know, he's really coming into his own. I'm like, oh, poor Amendola. <laughs> um, but you know what? He does, he does, he's capable of surprising you. And if there's one thing about the Patriots is people step up in big moments on this team, and Belichick does a fantastic job of grooming all the players on his team to step up. So why not? You know, there's as good of a chance, like Brandon said, of him going off as any one of the Seahawks receivers. So why not go with a bit more of a polished team? Okay, ladies, last question for for you before I ask you before I uh, ask you for for your predictions on the game. If there's one player that you need to stay far, far away from for this game, you know, screaming for, you know, screaming, you know, you look at him and you're, you're ready to write him down, but you're like, no, <laughs> stay far away. Who would that player be if you were doing one of those daily fantasies? Liz, I'll start with you. Is Jonas Gray an option? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Jonas Gray is my choice. Maybe uh, Robert Turbin. I mean, I, I'm kind of because well, both of the of the her FFC sisters have made the point that these are both teams that I mean, Belichick is a genius at adapting and tweaking, and 
you know, get, he's a matchup guru. So he's going to use whoever is at his disposal at the given moment, and that guy is going to blow up. Um, and I think, you know, the Seahawks uh, are also a team that is a whole unit-type team, and so they're going to use all of their players. So it is the tough question, Nick. I credit you for putting us on the spot. So I will say Jonas Gray, and if I'm going to be a little bit more bold, eh, Okay, why not just – I'm sure that this – now he's going to go off. But, like, Doug Baldwin, again, I'm a little bit not so jonesed about. That was going to be mine, Doug Baldwin. Okay. Don't okay, do it. Okay, Ashley, go ahead. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't. You know, don't do Dougie Fresh to yourself. Keep him on your – you know, keep him out of your lineup. Keep him out of your world. Because, I mean, literally – that receiving core is so temperamental, and he really has not had many fantastic games all year. So for me, I, I wouldn't go near him. Brandon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, on that note, I think I would take all three wide receivers for the Patriots before putting one of the Seahawks receivers on my team. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually going I want to bring up bring bring up something. I'll probably get pilloried for it, but but last week, Doug Ball, two weeks ago, I keep saying last week, but two weeks ago, Doug Baldwin went six for one hundred and seven. It was curse that was I was yeah this pun intended. I was cursing about because one for thirty five and a touchdown, yay! But six balls thrown at him, one reception, three balls dropped. Two ball, which two of them led to Russell Wilson interceptions. Now, when you are in a fa- in the playoff fantasy pool like I have, and Wilson is one of your quarterbacks, you want to take a few shoes and throw it at the TV screen, at, you know, at a certain someone because of all the balls going off the you know, going off his hands. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I can understand. I understand Baldwin and Jonas Gray. Yeah, well, I would stay far away from him and watch he runs for 365 yards tomorrow because it's Belichick <laughs> and McDaniel's. But you know, but if there was one guy I would stay far away from, it's Curse. It, which I will go with the saying: "Fool me once, shame on shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me." And I'm not getting shamed on for for you for taking Javon for taking Javon Curse. Listen to me, uh, to, to to Curse. So. Ladies. Yeah, well, and I, I would also stay away from uh, Shane Vereen. I know we've just knocked out everyone except for the superstars, but uh, <laughs> I, that's the way this is. That's why that's why something like playing in one game is so hard because there are clear winners and losers. And, and when you're looking for those sleepers, as we said, probably it's the wide receiving core from the Patriots. Um, but, you know, Shane Vereen's been the invisible man. And I... You know, I'm just not quite sure. So either it's going to go one way or the other, right? He's either going to pop or he'll get one of his zero touches game. And, I, you know. It's, it's scary when when you say that because if there was one guy that was probably overdrafted for having mm-hmm. possibly an amazing year, it was Shane Vereen. And I think it would be safe to say, say that he would be one of the top five disappointments for a fa- for a full fantasy football season, something that we go, we can definitely talk about probably more in depth if we didn't have we we only have a couple of minutes left for the segment. So, last question for you, ladies: final score, who do you got, and do you intend on doing anything for the Super Bowl tomorrow? Ashley, I'll start with you. Well, first off, I'm going to wear all black tomorrow. 
There has actually been some really funny fantasy that's reverse fantasy for people that are just not super excited about the game where you actually get points, negative points, people do things that are good. So that's kind of something to possibly root for. Um, I think it's going to be a fairly low-scoring game. But, um, uh, well, not crazy low-scoring, but I'm going to say 27-24 Patriots. I just have more faith in in Belichick and the Patriots than I do. Because here's my issue with the Seahawks. You've really got two main fantasy or football threats. That's Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson. And Belichick, I think, is really going to be able to shut Russell Wilson's run down. And when that's the case, it's going to be uh, be really problematic for them. Brandon, you're up. That's their offense. Uh, Okay. I think it's going to be, hmm, I should have come up with this because I knew you were going to ask this, but, you know, I think it's going to be uh, 28-34 Seattle. 34-28 Seattle. Okay, Liz, you're up. I'm going to go uh, 23-20 New England. Wow, two for the Patriots, one for the Seahawks. Somehow, I'm not surprised, but I'm not going to give my score until like almost the very end of the show because I what do you call? I'm what do you call? I'm still debating of numbers in my mind. I know who's going to win, but I'm still debating numbers in my mind. Ladies, I want to thank you so much for joining me this evening. Absolute pleasure having you guys come come on and talk some fantasy football just for the Super Bowl. And again. Who better than me to have three lovely ladies to talk football? Nobody. That's just me. But, Liz, why don't you let the people know about the Fantasy Football Girl website and the the show that you do, the X's and Y's podcast? Sure. Um, Well, you can find all of my info online at thefantasyfootballgirl.com. I also have a podcast, which I mentioned uh, Brandon was one of our lovely guests this past Wednesday, and you can check that. It's called the X's and Y's podcast, the his and hers guide to fantasy football. You can check that out on iTunes. We will have a Super Bowl recap show uh, with John Paulson of 4 for 4 this coming Wednesday, and that will be posted, and then we'll continue to post throughout the offseason, probably just once a month until we get to OPAs in June. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at girl. And I do have to say, before you go, the work that you did with Scout.com, Scott Atkins crew, I had Scott on my show a couple of weeks ago. The lineup that's there is absolutely 100% insane. So good on you with that. And I look forward to next year when you do the, video, when you do the videos with them again. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it was a fun time. I love my crew at Scout Fantasy. And uh, go Pats! I'll talk to you guys later. Thank <laughs> you, I can't believe, by the way, I can't believe I just said that. I hate the Patriots. I hate Tom Brady, but this is what I've been reduced to. <laughs> oh, boy. So true. I got this on Have tape, by night. the way, people. I got this I, I got this on a podcast. Just want to let you know. Anyway, uh, just joking. At least it's not the Packers, all right? At least, I, should be, I should be rooting for the Seahawks for somehow demoralizing the Packers two weeks ago. That's, that's my team. All right, guys. Have a good one. Um, have a wonderful Super Bowl, ladies. It was a pleasure. Nick, thank you. Enjoy. Thank you. You too. Bye, Liz. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. And, of course, the lovely ladies from her fantasy football, well, two of the three lovely ladies. I still wish I had the third one. Courtney, if you're listening, next time. She's please. an enigma. Soon, soon. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't really exist, actually. We dubbed her voice soon. 
We're kidding. Mm-hmm. She's a hologram, <laughs> like CNN. No, but... <laughs> So, ladies, why don't you let the people know about her fantasy football and what you guys are going to be doing during the off season when, when uh, you know, when all is said and done? Yeah, you know, we're, we're kind of similar with Riz. We'll be um, recording about once a month. We're actually recording this Wednesday, so come check us out at herfantasyfootball.com. Uh, we'll be kind of kicking it back up a notch, like she said, around OTA's time and the draft and the combine and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, so come check us out there. Brian, you want to go through all the social media stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're actually going to be joining Blog Talk Radio. So that's yeah, exciting. That's oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So let's make that announcement on Blog Talk Radio. We're coming to get you. Uh, yeah, so we're excited about that. And you can come follow us and all of our crazy exploits at HerFantasyFB. And then you can follow each of us at our name, her FFB. So Brandon, her FFB, Ashley, her FFB, and Courtney, her FFB. And I got to tell you, when I first heard your podcasts way long ago uh, on SoundCloud and stuff like that, I was like, I was like, these three, these three gals have something, and they have mojo, and what do you call? Also, they're salty, and I was like, I love them. <laughs> I need to have them on my show. And I've had Brandon on my show a few times. I find this is Ashley's first, you know, for first is. appearance on the show. And like I said, I will not rest until Courtney is on this show. But ladies, good <laughs> luck to you during. The, but good luck to you during the off season. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, where everything is absolutely insane sometimes. And I hope to talk to both of you in the uh, not too distant future. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for so coming much. to Sonics. Hey, have yeah, a good one, everybody. Happy Super Bowl. Happy Super Bowl. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Brandon and Ashley from FantasyFootball.com. Excuse me, her Fantasy Football. Great, great ladies. Liz Loza, the Fantasy Football girl as well. Who says you can't talk fantasy football during a, during the Super Bowl? And right now we are going into the last segment of the show. We have someone from the nine one zero zero area codes. Call us, state your name, and where you're from. Nine one zero area code. Okay, that person dropped. Anyway, we're coming down the final stretch of the show, and. There's not one person better to end the show with than one of my good friends, one of my colleagues, one of my peers, a guy. You, you when you think of you know when you think of this guy, you think oh he just knows baseball and stuff like that. No 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 no. This guy probably knows more football on his pinky than me <laughs> in my whole body, and. It's just amazing to have him back on the show. He's actually calling from the NFL Network, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the incomparable one, Mr. Andrew Fishfane. Sir, I, I don't know how I could get a, a better intro than that, but you have no peers. Uh, you know, I, I'm honored that you would call me that, but you have no peers, my friend. Thank you very much. And also joining us from the 301 area code down in Wilmington, North Carolina, you probably heard his show called Nuts and Bolts Podcast. You've probably seen the Nuts and Bolts blog. The guy is definitely nuts and bolts up there, but let me tell you something. There's a method behind the madness. 
ladies and gentlemen, making his debut appearance here. Joe, what's up, man? What's going on, Nick? Pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for letting me in the lab. Definitely excited. Hey, no problem, man. No problem. Welcome to the welcome to the lab where the experiments have have been go have been rolling since the since the beginning of uh, since the beginning of the show, gentlemen. Obviously, we got you know fish from on the fish on the west coast. We got Joe from the east coast here. We're going to start with you, fish, and I'm going to ask you this: in your mind. What is the ultimate key of this game for both the Seahawks and the Patriots? The key to the game for both teams is the exact same thing, and it's Marshawn Lynch. If he has less than 85 yards, the Patriots win this game. If he gets more than 85 yards and starts to rumble, the Seahawks win the game. It's as simple as that. I I don't remember a a Super Bowl where any of the four outcomes wouldn't surprise me. That would be a Seahawks blowout, a Seahawks close win, a Patriots close win, or a Patriots blowout. None of those four outcomes would surprise me. But these teams are so close and so so mirror of each other almost with Blunt and, and Lynch. The key is going to be if the Patriots can stop Marshawn Lynch, plain and simple. Joe, I'm going to ask yeah, you the same question. I would have to, I'd have to say for the Patriots to win this game, they're definitely going to have to stop Marshawn Lynch. And for the Seahawks to win the game, I, I think there's two factors. I think one, obviously beast mode has got to be beast mode. But I also think another factor is how is Russell Wilson going to adapt to the changes and the things that Bill Belichick's going to throw at him. One of the things that Belichick's great at is taking your best attribute and turning it against you and making it something that you can't use when you play his teams. So how Russell Wilson, how Russell Wilson reacts to that is definitely going to be key to the game, along with Marshawn Lynch. Now, Fish, the other, to me, one of the bigger keys to the game is the way Russell Wilson will adapt to the Bill Belichick, you know, to the mind of Bill Belichick. We all know Russell Wilson can beat you not only with his arm, but with his legs. You give Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare for someone of that dynamic, he will come up with a game plan to at least cut uh, to cut one of those things in half. What do you think Belichick is going to have in store for Russell Wilson going into this game? Uh, well, having the secondary that he has, Belichick hasn't had a secondary this good in quite some time. And having that secondary and having Revis and having Browner allows him to stick seven or eight men in the box if he has to, keeping one guy just as a pure spy on Russell Wilson just in case he breaks contain. The key is going to be the patience in their lanes. If the defenders can stay in their lanes and make sure that they don't get out of what, what they're supposed to be doing, that's going to be very du- difficult for Wilson to get outside and break contain, and that's going to cause him to throw the ball and while Russell Wilson does have a good arm, I, I'm sorry to say I know his receivers resent this, but they are very average receivers. And if you're going to stick a Darrell Rivas on one of them or a Browner on the other, those guys are going to be shut down. It's going to be exceedingly difficult for the Seahawks to move the ball and to win. Because as you said, Belichick takes the one thing that you do the best and turns it against you. And for the Seahawks, that's run the ball with beast mode. Now, Joe, I'm going to ask you. To, I'm asking you the same question with regards to Bill Belichick and having two weeks to prepare. We all know that Beast, you know, Marshawn Lynch is one of the major keys. Obviously, Russell Wilson, you know, being the, 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 the dual threat that he is. What do you think Belichick's going to come up with his game plan in order to contain Russell Wilson? Uh, well, like Fish was saying, I'm sure that for the last two weeks he's been preaching to the defensive linemen to uh, contain length. Integrity is definitely going to be important, not over-rushing. I think one of the key players for the Patriots on defense is going to be Jamie Collins. 
he's going to be on the outside edge, kind of making sure that Russell Wilson does not get into the outside. Because once he breaks the pocket and breaks containment, that's when the big plays happen, and that's kind of where he makes his money. Uh, and it's definitely been shown the last couple of seasons that not too many games, if you look back, where Russell Wilson's throwing the ball 30, 35 times, being really successful, and the Seahawks are winning. It's definitely been their M.O. of run, 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 play action pass, and kind of take your deep shots when you can. So we'll definitely have to see how he reacts to that. And I think one of the key players for the Seahawks is definitely going to be Luke Wilson. With them stacking the box up to stop the run game in over the middle, those, those quick passes over the middle for five, six-yard games, uh, that is going to be something that's really important and something that the Seahawks should try to do early and often, in my opinion. I think you bring up a great point, and I think you're absolutely right, and the key to the Seahawks is going to be patience. It's, are they going to be satisfied just getting those three, four, five, six-yard short passes to Luke Wilson, and if he gets stopped, are they going to be okay with just, just dinking and dunking it down the field? Because if they get unpatient and they try to take their shot, that's where they're going to have the issues. Yeah. Now, you know, the ladies that were on before the uh, fantasy football girl, as well as uh, Brandon, Brandon Lee and Ashley Williams, who were talking about, you know, daily fantasy football and stuff like that. And pretty much everybody was under the same, you know, same that they were panning the Seattle Seahawks wide receivers. Is Do you think it would be safe to say that, I, that the Patriots are not underestimating the wide receivers from the from the Seahawks because we do know, you know, even though they're unheralded, for some reason when you know there's a big game involved, someone always makes the big play. So if there's a wide receiver that you think is going to like come up huge in this game for Seattle, who do you think it's going to be? Fish, I'll start with you. If there is one, I think it's going to be a name that we haven't heard in a while, and that's going to be Ricardo Lockett, and that's because he's the one receiver that no one does talk about at all. <coughs> Excuse me. I think that Bill Belichick never underestimates anybody, and I don't see him telling his guys not to worry. But like I said, when you got Revis and Browner locking down on the on the outside on those two on the other two receivers, I think Lockett's going to have to make some plays, and he's going to be the name that that people are going to remember from the Super Bowl if anybody. Uh, yeah, I would okay. say that I would say with all the talking that he's done off the field, you'd say it would be Doug Baldwin. But with the secondary that New England has, even though they practice against the Legion of Boom every day, I think that Baldwin and Curse have never faced a, a duo like they're going to face on Sunday. So I would definitely say that Lockett's definitely going to be a key. And like I said, I can't stress enough, not just Luke Wilson, but also Marshawn Lynch out the backfield are definitely going to be keys to the Seahawks passing game. If they want to be successful fast in the ball. The one thing that's very interesting is that's the one thing the Patriots do very well with their running backs is run that little wheel route, so like Shane and Vereen. So I think the Patriots' defense may have seen that, especially with Lynch. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Patriots are able to defend Lynch coming out of the backfield. Now, the other thing, you know, we, we're talking like Marshawn, you know, about Marshawn Lynch. Do you think that maybe, you know, we should also look at one of the back, the, one of the backup running backs in this game for the for the Seahawks because they seem both of them, Christian Michael and I believe Turbin, both have a dynamic that Marshawn Lynch doesn't have, and it's and it's and it's speed. We know Marshawn Lynch Lynch brings the power, and he has that sne- that sneaky first step. But do you think that Pete Carroll will bring the change up? In uh, you know, in either of the back, uh, either of the backups into this game, or do you think it's just feed the beast, feed the beast, feed the beast, to hell with everybody else? I'll start with you, Joe. 
Uh, I'm going to say he's going to definitely have to use Turbin. He's a good change of pace back. He definitely has some giddy up in his step. And I think he also has some good hands coming out the backfield. It's definitely a change of pace. And I'm sure that's something that New England's considered and planned for. But if Pete can get a couple of uh, swing passes out, a couple of sweeps to get him to get his feet wet and kind of get him involved in the game, that might be something early in the game that the Patriots were not expecting. Because like you said before, they're going to be expecting off the jump to feed the beast every, every play. So if you can get Turbin out there and get him involved, that's definitely going to be something they might not be looking for early in the game. I, I think that if the if the coaches were on the other teams, if Belichick was the Seahawks coach, then you may even see Robert Turbin or Christian Michael getting more carries than Marshawn Lynch because that's the way Belichick is. Belichick doesn't care who his best players are. He cares about the one thing that the other team isn't expecting, and that's what he's going to do. And that's why the Patriots seem to change their personality from week to week, and it works for them. Going, But with Pete Carroll, he isn't that way. Pete Carroll is very much a rah-rah players type of coach. I think he is going to feed the beast consistently. I think he will see both Michael and Turbin in there as a change of pace, but I think it's going to be just a steady diet of Marshawn Lynch and hope that it works for them because so far no one's been able to stop him, and even if you do stop him early, by the time it gets to the third quarter and fourth quarter, he's worn you down so much, that's when he breaks off those big runs. Now, you brought up something, Fish, that, you know, a lot of people seem to forget is that, you know, Belichick may have stars on his team, but at any given day, one of those stars will conveniently disappear from a game. We all remember earlier in the year when Jonas Gray ran for 200 and some odd yards, you know, four touchdowns. Everybody and their mother was like, oh, my God, they found another player. And then he went into Chateau Bow Wow for missing a meeting pretty much for the rest of the season. Do you think Jonas Gray may be that guy tomorrow because the Seahawks are going to be keying on stopping their own little ver- minor version of beast mode in in uh, LeGarrette 1. I don't think Jonas Gray is going to be the guy. I think the guy that's going to surprise people with a big day tomorrow is going to be Timothy Wright, the guy they got in the Logan Mankins deal that everyone absolutely killed early in the year. But I think they're going to be so focused on stopping Gronk through the air that Wright is going to have, and I hate to to invoke this person's name just because of what he's done or what he's allegedly done, but he's going to have that Aaron Hernandez role, and he is going to play that kind of game. I think that Timothy Wright is going to be huge tomorrow in the passing game because I think the Seahawks are not thinking about him at all, and that's going to be what kills them. And I think Belichick knows that. Yeah, and great point. I, mean, I was about right to, you know, I was going to bring him up later in the segment, but go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Wright is a great young tight end. I, I definitely would not be surprised. I mean, that's a classic Belichick. You plan for one thing, and you've got your whole game plan surrounded by the team. You've got to stop Gronk, and we've got to stop a short pass, and all of a sudden it's like, look, baby, one. He's wide open across the middle and scoring touchdowns and making plays. So that would not surprise me as a lifelong football fan at all. That's a classic Bill Belichick 101 right there. Now, what do you call? You look on the other side, and you look on the other side with the Seahawks in their tight end situation, and you know a lot of people were actually pegging Wilson, Luke Wilson, that is, to have a pretty solid game tomorrow. Because let's face it, there is a very soft underbelly in the middle, you know, in the middle of the, of the defense linebacking-wise, for the Patriots. So do you see Luke Wilson having that sneaky game as well, a la Tim Wright? Or do you think, you know, do you think that Wilson's only going to be used, you know, in the red zone where he has flourished, you know, towards the end of the uh, regular season and especially in the playoffs? Joe, I'll start with you on that. 
Uh, I think if the Seahawks want to win, that'd be a great idea. That's what I would do. If I'm Pete Carroll, I'm definitely getting them involved. With them focusing so much on the run and, and trying to take that away from you, you're going to have the opportunity to get those five, six, seven-yard gains to get those third and manageables instead of getting those third and longs where you're kind of asking Russell Wilson to be somebody he hasn't really been so far in his career, which is a guy who on third and long is, is flourishing. He has a great third down percentage because it's always short third downs. When it's third and eight, third and nine, situations like that, you're asking a lot from a young QB. I mean, he's in the second Super Bowl, but he still is a young quarterback in the league. Fish, same question. I think that Joe is absolutely spot on, that they have to be willing to throw it to Wilson over the middle, like I said, three, four, five-yard gains, and they have to be willing to be patient and take what the defense gives them. I mean, against the Colts, Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener, both excellent tight ends, much better than Luke Wilson. No offense to Mr. Wilson, but I think both better than Wilson. And they were actually held down a little by the Patriots. So the Patriots know how to face the tight end. It's not that they haven't faced good tight ends. Obviously, they faced Julius Thomas earlier in the year as well, and he didn't go off on them either. So I, I, they know how to do it, but I think you're right. That, that little meaty area right in front of the line of scrimmage is going to be open, and that's, that's going to be the kind of play that, that the Seahawks have to be willing to take if they want to win this game and if they want to move the ball. Or, or Joe's absolutely right. They're going to be in third and long, which is a situation you don't see the Seahawks in often. Let's talk legacies. This has been called a legacy game by many members of the media. I've actually gone gone ahead and, you know, joined in and called a legacy game because, let's face it, on one side you have a team that can be the first team since their opposition, the Patriots, can win consecutive Super Bowls back-to-back in the Seattle Seahawks, as well as join the pantheon of great defenses in the NFL a la the 2001 Ravens, the 1985 Bears, the 1976 Steelers, you know, you know. And then you look on the other side and you have the Patriots. Bill Belichick going for his fourth ring as a head coach. Tom Brady going for his fourth ring as a player. You're talking, you know, you're talking Chuck Noll, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, Joe Montana category categories now. How do you define this as a legacy game in your opinion? Fish, I'll start with you. Well, I think to define Tom Brady's career as anything but a success, regardless of how this game plays out, it would be absolutely ridiculous. He is going to go down as the greatest quarterback, if, or one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, period. He has more playoff wins right now than 21 different franchises do, and that alone is is just incredibly impressive. I think that this game, they don't have to win this game to cement his legacy. It was cemented years ago. I think this would be the icing on the cake, and it would be a wonderful thing for it, for him to get the win. But even if they don't, I think that Brady's and Belichick's legacy have both been cemented in, in, in the upper echelon of both quarterback and coaches. For the Seahawks, I think that a, a win here is, is needed to establish them. There are Two years is not a dynasty make. They, are not gonna, they should not be considered a dynasty just for winning back-to-back years. I think it needs to play out a little bit longer than that. And I think while I think this defense is very good, I think it's also a little overrated. I don't think it compares to any of the ones that you mentioned, the 76 Steelers, the 85 Bears, the 2001 Ravens. I think all of those defenses were much better than this defense. I think this defense is slightly overrated, and I think that we will see that come tomorrow, that that this defense is not as good as people think it is. Well, I have to agree with Fish Fish when it comes to the Patriots, definitely. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was going to say, same question is being directed to you, so go ahead. 
Uh, yeah, I would definitely say as far as Tom Brady goes and Bill Belichick with the Patriots, I mean, winning the Super Bowl tomorrow would just be a, the cherry on top of his career Sunday. I mean, look at the, look at the guy's stats and look at the consistency over the course of Tom Brady's career and Bill Belichick's career and with the, the salary cap and free agents and all the different rules that have happened over the course of the last couple of years in the NFL. For them to kind of be the model of consistency they've been, it's definitely impressive. They, they don't need that Super Bowl win to cement their legacy at all, in my eyes. And kind of flipping the script and looking at the Seahawks, I definitely can see where people are coming from as far as being overrated. I mean, think about that 0-1 Ravens defense. I mean, they, they led their team to a championship. They were scoring points. If you remember, there was about a seven- to eight-game streak where the Ravens didn't score a single offensive touchdown. It was all the defense scoring touchdowns and field goals, and they still were able to win the Super Bowl. And the 85 Bears are just a juggernaut that people haven't seen since. But I think that the rules they have now being geared so towards the offense passing the fairs and, and touching people at the line and things of that nature, that's why commentators and football fans nowadays are so quick to kind of overreach and, and call the Seahawks with great defense. They're good, but I definitely agree with Fish. They're not on the same level as the 0-1 Ravens at all, not, not even close. But having back-to-back Super Bowl championships will definitely make them one of the better teams so far that we've had in the, in the modern area of the Super Bowl, but I wouldn't call the dynasty. we got to get a couple more rings first and start talking about that. And I, I do want to say that that 0-1 Ravens defense was so good that they made Trent Dilfer a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. <laughs> Please, let's not remind people of that. That's the only reason why he has a job <laughs> on ESPN right now. But that's just my humble opinion. Dilfer to Stokely. Dilfer to Stokely. That's just my humble opinion when I say it, when I say it like that. Now, before we uh, before we end the segment, obviously the loaded question in the room is this: Who's going to win the Super Bowl? What's the final score? Joe, I'll start with you. I'm saying 28 to 21 Seattle, and the reason why is because their physical defense makes it very difficult for the Patriot wide receivers and Gronk to get anything done. So I got Seattle winning back to back. Fish. I have gone back and forth on this game since the end of the championship games. I I started out thinking it was Patriots all the way, and I slowly and surely turned and thought, you know what, I think Seattle's got this game, and now I've turned back the other way. I I think this is a Patriots win, and I'll tell you why. Because while the Seattle defense is great and solid, I think that every facet of the Patriots game is just good enough to win, and they don't have that single weakness that they can take away. And they have Belichick versus Carroll, and I think that's a win there for them as well. I think the final score is 24-17 New England. I think they win it. I think you take the under in this game if you're, if you're so inclined to do. But uh, I, I think that the, the Patriots end up coming away with a win in this one. Well, gents, great having you on tonight on the, Ma- on the Mad Scientist for Super Bowl special. Joe, being that you are the first time here, why don't you let the people know about your, about your nuts and bolts sports blog and as well as your, uh, as your podcast? Absolutely, thank you. Well, we have com, which is a collection of sports fanatic bloggers from about seven different states right now. Always have fresh content. We, talk, we cover all sports. So that's something you want to check out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Nuts and Bolts SP, and we do a podcast twice a week. We have a Nuts and Bolts football show we do, myself and my uh, co-host, Mr. JB3, and we also have a brand-new show we just tried a few weeks ago covering the NBA, which is called Buckets and Dimes. Uh, we're on Blog Talk Radio. You can also hear us on Stitcher if you have that app. And we are definitely uh, new on the block, but we are definitely uh, reaching for the top. And, of course, Fish, 
Obviously, there's no introduction needed for you where you are, my friend. But being that this, is my, this is, but being this is my forum, might as well let the people know about your good stuff that you've that you've had going on for quite some time now. Absolutely, you guys. You can catch me every Wednesday night with the fabulous sporty diva Pamela Michelle on Sports Infusion. We are on from six to eight. Pacific time, that's 9 to 11 Eastern time on Blog Talk Radio. You can also catch me every Thursday on Yahoo Sports Radio as a guest on the Sports X Radio show coming out of Las Vegas, a phenomenal show. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TheFish1969, and, and I'm now looking at NutsAndBoltsSports.com. It looks like an absolutely brilliant site. Uh, I highly recommend people to go to see this. I, I hadn't seen it before, and it looks absolutely amazing. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure, well, my friend. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this evening. And uh, good luck, what do you call, watching the game tomorrow. Fish, I know you're probably going to be working like a dog, being that you work for NFL Network, so there ain't going to be no rest for the wicked. Joe, if you're going to have a party, stay safe, my man. What do you call it? Enjoy the game. What do you call, enjoy the game and let, what do you call and and have some fun watching it. And also, you're probably going to be right, you know, trying to do writing at the same time, going, okay, I can go this angle. No, wait, go this angle. Okay, throw out the next piece of paper and go to the next one. So, yeah, that's how old I am. I still work on paper sometimes. Sue me. But anyway, uh, what do you call it? Gentlemen, thank you so much. Have a good one. And until next time, you guys have carte blanche. Jump on anytime. Nick, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to always be on your show, and anytime you need me, I, I will be more than happy to do it. Have a safe and happy Super Bowl. Joe, enjoy the game, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate that, Fish. Yeah, Nick, thanks for having me on. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. It was fun. Had a blast. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Take All care, right. Nick. And that was Andrew Fishfane from NFL Network. That was Joe from NutsAndBolts.com. Two great guys. Couldn't have it any other way to close out a show. We like we got about seven minutes to go, and going to mention something right now that everybody should pay attention to. My picks. <laughs> Final score: Patriots twenty-seven, Seattle twenty-one. Yeah, I'm going with New England. Just got this gut feeling that after all the crap that they've been through the last couple of weeks and knowing how much of a legacy game this is for Belichick and Brady, I just got a gut feeling that they're going to pull it out. They will find a way to contain Wilson. They'll find a way to contain Lynch. And I just don't like the Seattle wide receivers at all. They always seem to come up big in big games, but I think this might be the game where it finally ends. On that note, this show tonight was just the appetizer for what's going to be taking place tomorrow live on Fantasy Sports Radio's 1 and 2. From 12 p.m. in the afternoon to 6 p.m. in the evening, right before kickoff Eastern time, which means 9 to 3 Pacific time for those, who, for, those, for those of you out west, Fantasy Sports Warehouse is doing a six-hour Super Bowl preview extravaganza. We have guests from all walk of life, we have Chase Kaufman from the Tennessee Titans. He's going to be joining us. We got Steve Balistrieri and Russ Goldman from Patriots 4th and 2 joining us, part of the Boston Mafia. We have actors and actresses from Hollywood that are going to be joining us. It's going to be insane. 
The whole fantasy sports warehouse family is going to be there. Different hosts at different times throughout the time throughout the day. It's going to be nuts. I'm making my appearance most likely between 12 and 1 p.m. because, of course, I got to talk with the Boston Mafia. They're my boys. It's going to be great. It's going to be fast. It's going to be hard, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So again, from 12 to 3. The first half of the show will be on this network, Fantasy Sports Radio 1. Excuse me, Fantasy Sports Warehouse Radio 1. Call in number 347-637-2812. Second half of the show, from 3 to 6, is going to be on FSW Radio 2. So don't forget, it's split, but it's six hours of pure, nonstop, Super Bowl preview, fun, extravaganza, you name it, people will be there. It's going to be insane. Wouldn't want to have it any other way, especially when the mad scientist is involved. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap for tonight's Super Bowl special, the appetizer to tomorrow's seven-course seven main dinner, or whatever you want to call it. Have to, unfortunately, start to erase the blackboard because i got to get ready for the next set of experience, experiments next week. Got to tone down the beacons, what do you call it? make sure to shut off for the night. And I got to start getting in some more test subjects for next week. My name is Nick Ficarelli. I am the Mad Scientist of Sports. You can find me on Twitter, at NAF underscore FSW Sports. Again, that's at NAF underscore FSW Sports. It's been a great show. Had a lot of fun. And don't forget, this show was also syndicated on Arena Sports Network. It'll also be syndicated on I-95 Sportsnet. Brian Snow, Bobby Galanti, those two guys catch their networks out as well. It's been a lot of fun. Had a blast. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Mad Scientist signing off. The lab is now officially closed. Have a good night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.